You are Locked On Falcons Postcast, part of Locked On Atlanta on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Falcons Postcast, your home for the best Falcons football talk. It's the kind of local insight you can't get anywhere else, but right here at Locked On. I'm your host, Tanisha Batiste. Joining me today are Aaron Freeman and Jarvis Davis. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code, all lowercase, LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. The Locked On Falcons podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fellas, I almost hate to say it, because I feel almost like a broken record, but it really does feel like Groundhog Day or same song, different day, or oh damn, they did it again, because that's what it is. And one thing that Rolando Bruce said is the Falcons gone do is find a way to lose us what they go through. And you know what? Even though I know that is incorrect grammar, I cannot disagree with my brother because that's what happens. 29 to 25 today. The Falcons take an unfortunate L against the Bucks, And it was just really, and, you know, Jarvis, Aaron, for our team, I was in the uh, stadium today. Um, and, and I don't know, I want to ask you guys, but it was tough. It was really, really kind of tough watching that because it had so many ebbs and flows to it. And you just kind of really didn't know where this thing was going to go until we knew where it was going to go. But we're going to dive into the details of the game and kind of how it came to this loss for the Falcons. And we're going to talk about what's next for the Falcons, a road trip to Carolina, maybe even more critical now than ever next week. But first, let's talk free JD. We got to talk about the takeaways on how in the world in this third year, the Falcons have still not found a way to give Arthur Smith or get Arthur Smith three wins in a row. So free, you kept it real simple and said, you know what? Falcons are going to Falcon. Yeah. T this, this is basically the Falcon season summarized in one game, right? Cause we we've talked all year long about how this team has had opportunity after opportunity, after opportunity to, you know, create some separation, win some games that they had every opportunity to win. They did it again on Sunday uh, against the Bucks, right? You, you have Young Way Koo missing two field goals. You have uh, two turnovers a, a plus a safety, you know, resulting in Bucks points. You know, you have an opportunity to convert in the red zone a wide open B. John Robinson and you miss the throw, you know. And so I remember talking about this the last time the Falcons played the Bucks, where we we sat there and said, hey, if they don't turn the ball over in the red zone, you know, that's, you know, that's 21 points they left on the board. That's a 30 burger. You're having the same conversation again this week. And that just seems to be the story that we have every single week on this podcast. Every time we talk about this Falcon team in a position to take a step forward, to have that breakthrough game and, and show us that they're more than just this also ran and they always fall short. And so, you know, it's, it, it, it feels like the season is over, even though the season is not technically over, but it just feels like, I think this is for me, at least the last time I'm, I'm going to get my hopes up that this team is going to, to turn a corner at this point in time. I just, you know, Maybe maybe I'll eat crow, you know, in a couple of weeks and and whatever. But it just feels like, okay, th this is who they are. This is what they'll always be, and you know, uh, I'm over it now at this point. 
<laughs> and you know, free. I just so thought we were gonna be. I thought we were done with the couch. Like I thought we were done with the the, the psychiatrist couch and you know a kumbaya and a hug situation. I really did. But this was a tough one because I think it goes back to something that you said that I was also uh, talking to some fans about. I happened to pop downstairs for a little while. Uh, to see some friends and it was kind of good because sometimes it's good to kind of hear from the Falcons fans and one of the things I was talking about was the frustration of watching nine points essentially be given to the Bucks, almost like here you know here's a nine point lead see what you can do but then you just made a great point as well when young Wake who misses field goals I mean now you're talking about essentially you know a 15 point spread but in all honesty it felt like 50 it's the weird i don't know how else to explain it but like you said it just felt like my goodness this must maybe this is who who they are and i'm not one who usually in the third quarter says oh it's a wrap the falcons aren't coming back but when you take 11 minutes off the game clock charts it is very very difficult to get your to want to ask your defense to do so much after they also pretty much erase the errors i'll call them the mistakes of that first half it gets to be very difficult and it's one of those things where you say as well when it goes like that then everything else pretty much has to go right you can't have an arthur smith can't get right moment yeah and and it's a and that's the unfortunate thing right because you talked about how this is who they are but i think from a positive standpoint the falcons in these moments i feel like they forget who they are because true enough like, are there some advantages, um, some 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 uh, opportunities to take advantage of this pass defense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Sure. But you can't have instances where you go multiple drives where you pass the ball and you don't run the ball at all. Like, that is – that's unacceptable. That's – and then when you finally figure out, okay, you see Tampa Bay start saying, you know what, I know we have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and – you know, Baker Mayfield is supposed to be this capable quarterback and all this stuff. Um, but we're just going to turn around and hand the ball off to Rashad White. And, and that's what I felt like Arthur Smith should have done earlier. Yeah. You know, because, like, when you get into these games where they're tight and every mistake is, 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 is magnified to the umph degree, like, that's when you go back to who you are, saying, you know what, we're going to run the football. I know – that we out seven offensive linemen. We don't have any starters in there and all that stuff. But let's run the ball and see what happens. Because at the end of the day, that's that's who you are. That's who you are. That's how you got this job. That's how you are one of the top ten teams running the football in the NFL. So that's that's that what gets me. That's what gets me frustrated. I'm like, all right, dude. Like I know that you want to be able to you know take advantage of this defense. Uh, Tampa Bay secondary. True enough. And we saw that from time to time. Like, but it was an ebb and flow, right? Like, and sometimes, like, yeah. okay, Desmond Ritter make a good throw. Oh my God, he almost threw a pick. And I'm just like, dude, can we get in between sometimes? Like, can we just right. be average? Can we just get somewhat closer to the means? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't can we I don't I hate playing the stock market watching football. Like <laughs> watching the Falcons team play or watching Desmond Ritter play quarterback is like what paying attention to the stock market and trying to get some money. Like and it's just, it's just hard. It's hard sometimes because you don't know what's going to happen, and then you can't find a consistency. But in the end, then you come into a place, a space where in the fourth quarter, where you see, okay, all right, let me get the ball to B. John Robinson. Let me sprinkle some of this blue magic out on the field. Let me see how it, how it rolls. And then like, okay, why you didn't start doing this earlier? So it's just too many instances in games where 
from a play call standpoint, I feel like Arthur Smith, I'm just like, dude, sometimes you just can't get out your own way. And I yeah. feel like that is a problem at this point. And to be honest with you, if you continue to do this, like, there's no reason for us to be having real conversations about winning this division, regardless of how putrid it is. Yeah, because I think that's one of the things that we've kind of beaten the drum on in a good way, which is you can't worry about the fact that this is a befuddling, confusing, and somewhat disgusting display of football from time to time in this division. It is what it is. All you can do is do what you do and do it well. And I remember tweeting out earlier in the game, hmm, third and goal at the two and a pass. That's what we're doing when we've got Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson, and Desmond Ritter. And that's what we do. And it's little things like that. That's not your identity. Your identity at third and two is you need to just pound that ball in. Even if all it gets you is a half yard, or if it gets you one yard and you've got to go for it on a fourth, but maybe it's fourth and one, maybe it's fourth and inches, but you at a third and two really, really put yourself in a very peculiar situation that makes it that much more difficult. And in a game where it turns out that points ended up being a premium, I know this, the final score ended up being a 29-25, but you know what I mean. Points were a premium up until probably that midpoint of that third quarter when the Bucks scored and then you know the Falcons kind of caught their wind in that fourth quarter but before that it's like okay this is kind of a paltry game that might come down to one possession like one point type of one possession situation you can't be out there doing things like that when you've got that stable when you've got that running back at your disposal so yeah, yeah it's just it's, it's one of those things where I kind of and I saw a buddy of mine I'll say this and then and we'll go to break. We'll come back and deep dive a little bit more. But I uh, saw one of my colleagues at halftime and he literally was like, hey, you look like you're thinking you don't know. And I was like, no, actually, I don't know what I'm thinking because I don't know what to make of what I just saw. I said, so all I can do and don't laugh at me because it's going to sound real vain. But I was like, all I can do is look at my outfit and say, well, I think at least my outfit's matched because I don't think anything is matched on that football field today. But what I'm seeing and what I expected to see. But that's where we are with it. That's where we are with it. (laughs) So on that note, guys, we're going to deep dive more into a little bit that went right, but a little bit that went wrong today as well. But before we do that, we're going to talk a little bit about maybe what your post-game commiseration meal might be with DoorDash. Well, guys, I don't know if you're like me, but when things get a little bit tight, kind of like to eat some comfort food and maybe that's how you are as well and DoorDash might be the perfect way to go to get that comfort food because this was a tough one to watch today Falcons fall 29-25 to the Bucks but that DoorDash can make it all okay it's time for you to maybe pull out your positivity your good jersey your favorite app which should be DoorDash get you some snacks because hey Football season still has to go on, and your team is still at the top of the division for crying out loud. Now, you might say to yourself, hmm, where do I order? How do I order? What do I order? Where you can order just about anything, pizza, wings, soda, burgers, you want it, they got it. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you order through DoorDash, and when you spend $50 or more, of course, on that first order. So you're going to download the DoorDash app. That's what you got to do before you do anything, and then you're going to plug in code LOCKED23 now. Subject to change and it's terms that apply. But again, 50% off, that's a good deal. Up to $10 value when you spend $15 or more on that first order. 
That's at least a win for you today. So don't forget, download the DoorDash app, spend $15 or more, use the code LOCKED23, subject to change, and terms to apply. All right, guys, we on this show try our best to still see the positive in things, right? So we're going to talk about that before we, but we're going to have some real talk too, because I know you guys don't pull punches about that. The Falcons, of course, entered the fourth quarter down nine points, and they did pull within two, but then, as Jarvis said, we saw a little bit of pound town on the behalf of the Bucks. They just kept running and running and running the ball for all you people that thought it meant something else. Now, it looked like it was over, but Mike Evans, was out of bounds on the touchdown. The Falcons were able to hold the Bucks to three and then nine to five, bring some light into the game. So Jarvis, at least we saw some good signs. What turned for the Falcons offense in that final quarter so that they could actually make this a game and at one point take the lead? Uh, a wide receiver one showed up. <laughs> I think that, you know, some of those balls, those 60 on um, 40, 60 balls, or 30, 70 balls, wherever you want to go with it. I think uh, <laughs> I got Mike Conte. He mentioned the offensive interception, which is absolutely just great. And the level of pettiness that goes with that, that comment is just absolutely amazing. But yes. I think that, you know, them getting taking advantage of, of a matchup, right? Because we know that Drake London is a guy that can go up and go get it. And I think that Desmond Ritter, all he had to do was just give him a chance to catch that football. When he threw that ball, down there, and I saw Winfield lining that bad boy up. I thought that was a for sure, a hundred percent interception. But you just seen Drake London just come out of nowhere, just snap that football out of the way. That's why you draft a, a wide receiver in the top ten, right? So I think that you know we saw that's what Arthur Smith was trying to get at, trying to take advantage of the matchup, and I think that they did it. And I and I think that that was one of those moments where. We were riding high, like yeah. as far as when we talk about the stock, the stock was up at that time, at that particular time. And I think that you know, for them to be able to take advantage of it in that way and come a bit as big as they did right then and there, it was just, it was great to watch. And I, I love watching that type of football. And you know, just unfortunate that you can't get that on a consistent basis. Yeah, or in those moments, those final moments when it mattered. Because yeah, you love to see Aaron the the ten catches on 11 targets that's amazing that's an amazing day 172 yards and just three yards short of getting that go-ahead touchdown that was a tough one to watch in fact drake london i think it was so tough for him he didn't leave the field for several minutes just kind of sitting there you know in utter disbelief of what happened but you can't take away from the nine catches before that to even put the falcons in the position to retake the lead and ultimately win the game yeah, Drake London balled today. You know, it's hard to sit here and think, uh, has he had a better game than he did on Sunday? I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. So, hmm. um, yeah, he, he was great. Uh, some other positive, you know, the offensive line held up better than you thought, as Jarvis said, yeah. with, with yeah. basically seven guys out of line. It seemed like every time. Every drive in the first yeah. half, some some I think I went down. For you, like the, the same tweet, like I had to requote several times. He's like, "Oh wait, another O line." Yeah. So the the fact that that held up your secondary, you know, we talked about it. To basically, shut down Mike Evans, right? AJ Terrell, after three years of, you know, for lack of better terms, sorry, AJ, getting bodied by Mike Evans. You know, Mike Evans didn't do nothing today, and you know, until the very end, Chris Godwin didn't do anything. And, and right. a lot of that was thanks to, to Clark Phillips. Um, so, you know, there are positives you could take from this game, but it's like, you know, putting lipstick on a pig at, at this point, I, I think, you know. Yeah, 
that's the tough part. And and I'm glad you said it that way, Free, because we're going to talk a little bit more about those positives that we saw on defense. But we're going to get real and we're going to talk about the negatives as well on defense. But going back to offense, at the end of the day, I think Jarvis, he called it out earlier. When I look at a stat line and I see 26 for 40 for 347 yards or 338 yards after the sack, a touchdown and a pick for Des Ritter. I don't like that stat line because then I look lower and I see 26 carries for 96 yards. That's the stat line that bothers me because of the stat line before it. That goes to, that was one of the downsides. Like this to me wasn't a game where you had to throw it all over the yard. I don't feel like the Falcons were ever behind to a point where it was desperate enough for you to have to throw that ball 40 times. So Jarvis, when you think about it, I mean, yeah, you did have kind of a patchwork O-line, but again, you still had that running back room. What happened such that the Falcons weren't able to take advantage and maybe dictate that game, like you said, a little bit more often, but maybe even to your point earlier on the ground? And to be honest with you, it feel like Arthur Smith just didn't have confidence they were able to get it done because that's the only way I feel that you put the ball in Desmond Ritter's hands. Hey, man, lead us to victory with your arm. Like, like no, uh-uh, no, that, that, that's that doesn't just that doesn't sit well with me. I don't think that Arthur Smith, well, Will can go off of what we see, right? He yeah. felt like he had confident, he had more confidence in in Desmond Ritter than he did in his backfield, and that's truly unfortunate. When you take a running back in that top ten, like they did with John Robinson, give him the ball, give him the ball. Like at the end of the day, I don't mind you turning around and handing the ball off to him 22, 23 times, and then throwing the ball to him four to five times. I, I don't, I don't, I don't mind at this point because that's who you are. That's how you built this team. And, and that's, that's what you need to go with. But just like, there's just no reason for me to feel confident when I think we had, we had a game, we had a couple of games like this um, early on in the season when, um, when Desmond Ritter was having some, from a yardage standpoint, some decent games. It's like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with Desmond Ritter throwing the ball that much. And I I'd rather see forty times, you know, on on the other end, not and it's split up with, between three guys. Like I don't want to see the, the this team throwing the fo- ball forty times. I just don't think this offense is nowhere near being able to win games like that. And it's just truly unfortunate that that Arthur Smith feels that way. Yeah, that was a, a tough one as well, especially because, like you said, you had an offensive line where hey, they came into the game knowing that. You're gonna, they were going to be without Caleb McGarry. They were going to be out Drew Dahlman. But then, of course, Jake Matthews goes down for a stretch. Uh, Chris Lindstrom goes down for a stretch. And it's like, oh, my God, now it's true patchwork. But you did have Matthew Bergeron. Just as an example, you tweeted out that you really liked what you saw as far as how he was able to spring Bijan Robinson open so Bijan Robinson could go in for that score. So, yeah, you do get frustrated when you see those instances happen and you don't go back to – sort of what got you to the party. Meanwhile, it's also painful watching on the flip side where they're running it down your throats and daring you to do something with it and you're keeping your defense out there for like 11 game minutes. And I mean, that's just a kind of a recipe for disaster. And then, you know, you look at the flip side now on defense, you know, once again, Aaron, this Falcons defense in all sorts of ways held down this team until the offense could kind of catch up, right? And this was not an easy task because, again, they were out down some guys as well. No David Onyemata, no Nate Landman. So they were kind of, for lack of a better term, swimming upstream, if you will, too. So, But we did see some good things. 
obviously we saw Jesse Bates the third be Jesse Bates. That's that was huge again. And although I know it wasn't good for him at the end, I think Clark Phillips was also one of those standouts that had a good game, like I said, up until maybe that last moment. Yeah. Caden Ellis also played really well. Yes. Calais Campbell came up with a, a big stop towards the end on that uh third and one. Uh, type of play and, and Andre Smith even nearly uh, on the fourth and one, you know, punching the ball out and almost getting the fumble recovery there. Uh, yeah. You know, so you you saw a defense that, you know, they gave up the field goal in the opening drive and then the rest of the Bucks points in the first half were, as you said, off of the turnovers and, and the safety and then only really, you know, and pretty much kept the lid on the Bucks offense in the third quarter outside of that one drive um, where, as you guys said, uh, they, they took the Falcons to pound town, uh, running the ball down their throat uh, towards the end of the game. And so, you know, the defense played well for three quarters and then you just kind of needed them to play well for one more series. And, and they didn't necessarily have it there at the end uh, to get that stop. They got real close, but they just couldn't get over the hump. But yeah, you know, when you look at this game overall, like you, you look at the shortcomings on the offense more so than the shortcomings on defense, I think, at this point in time, especially given all the injuries at the Falcons defense. They they played above themselves, I, I think, at the end of the day, right? We can we can certainly nitpick some of the struggles with uh, against the run um, and, and some of the plays they gave up. But, um, you know, they, they they as again, as we've talked about all year long, for the most part, they've brought it pretty much every single week and uh, they came up short. Yeah, I think if you have a conversation where I think last week Mike Evans had like 148 yards catching and this week you hold him to eight. Yeah, I mean, to me, you've, you've done your job in big number in, in, in a big way and in small numbers holding Mike Evans and even to your point, free holding Chris Godwin until the very end. And another thing, Jarvis, that we saw that I thought was a good look was we would had conversation in our last couple shows. Uh, the sports party on Thursday and even the Falcons party earlier in the week talking about guys who we wanted to see kind of step up. And we saw it, you know, Contavious Street, we were like, hey, we hadn't heard your name a couple of weeks. Heard his name called in a good way. Um, and of course, your guy, Bud Dupree, we heard his name called a couple of times in a positive way. Too. Yeah, I mean, those are some of the things that, you know, you always appreciate, right? Because like I said, you knew that, you know, with David on your model being out, like, and you already got Grady Jarrett down for the season. Like that interior side of that defense was pretty, it looked pretty meek. And mm-hmm. and I think that you know with Calais Campbell being able to slide down, that that was I'm, I'm, that was very helpful because you have a guy like that pushing the pocket and being able to, you know, you're going up against a five nine quarterback in Baker Mayfield. You know, that's some of the things that, you know, that can work out to your benefit. So I think. It was an all-out effort, you know, just – and even Albert Huggins, you know, those guys like that, those guys stepped up. Like, I just, I can't – it's hard for me to critique this defense in a negative way because, like I said, like Aaron said, they played above themselves. There was no way they were supposed to win that battle up front today. Uh, and, you know, the only thing they didn't do was put Baker Mayfield on the ground. But, like you said, that secondary and, 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 you know, pushing the pocket or flushing Baker Mayfield off the spot – you know, kind of worked out in their favor for the most part. And it just it just truly sucks that they were the last um, unit on the field and everybody's going to look at them and say, man, all the defense had to do was make that stop. But, man, it's so much more to the story. It really, really is, yeah, because making that stop in the fourth quarter even started with what we didn't see in the fourth, third quarter, which is those guys get a breather for their offense to give them some life until the fourth quarter. But, again, like you said, the 29 points don't tell the true story because that's not so much – 
that's not as much on the Bucks' offense as maybe a moratorium on what the Falcons' offense did not do. And we'll talk a little bit more about where the Falcons go from here because they've got a road trip to Carolina next week and it's going to be critical because of the log jam that now is the NFC South first place. But before we do talk about that, we're going to give you guys some beats on prize picks. Well, you know, there are things that can make you happy in this world, even when the Falcons aren't the ones making you happy. And that's maybe taking a stab at prize picks. It's the largest daily fantasy sports DFS platform in North America. So if you're DFS, now you know what it means. We are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Now, here's the thing with it as well that I really, really like. Prize Picks offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this season. How cool is that? Because I'm sure a lot of us, other than Jarvis, by the way, I'm sure a lot of us use Apple Pay in and out of our daily interactions with our finances and resources. What a cool thing to be able to do. And also, you can test your skills on Prize Picks, which is an exciting way to place fantasy sports because maybe you can turn ten dollars into 250 dollars and do it with just a few taps so how do you get it done pretty darn easy you go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nfl and use that code for a first deposit match up to 100 it's easy it's easy it's easy and why do i keep saying that because i know you've had a rough day so don't forget to check out prize picks by going to prizepicks.com slash a locked on NFL and use the code for a first deposit match up to $100 prize picks. Falcons didn't make a day. Maybe prize picks can. All right, guys, it is now time to preview the next game. And it's so frustrating because I really thought that we were going to be having this conversation that uh, many have been waiting for us to have for the last couple of years, which is, Arthur Smith has his first three-game winning streak. Well, it didn't happen. And not only did it not happen, but it happened on a day where the Bucks beat the Falcons to end that winning streak. It happens on a day where the Saints beat the Panthers. Now there's this log jam at the top of the NFC South, a division that, like we always say, or we used to say in New Orleans, New Orleans is a city that care forgot. <laughs> NFC South is the division that care forgot. Because here we are. So, Next week, going into Carolina, Jarvis, what do the Falcons need to do to potentially put themselves in a situation where maybe they can reset and get back to the top of this division by themselves? Mike, have some self-awareness. Can I, can I just start? I hate to stop, try to be deep on this thing, but, like, just know who you are. Like, you're not a team that is going to put yourself in position to win games by throwing the ball 40 times. It's not just not going to happen, especially who you got at quarterback. And that's not an, an indictment on Desmond Ritter. Not even, not, not at this point. Let me say that. Not at this point. Because, you know, you, you got so many weapons are, are surrounding him. You got a guy that you can turn around and hand the ball off to. He's explosive. You got a, guy, a running back that rushed for, got the franchise record for a uh, rookie franchise rushing record in Tyler Algier. So you have so many weapons back there. You built your offensive line to to be that a run block is, is their strength. So, and, and I think that, you know, you're going to have to use that, you know, going into this game in Carolina. You're going on the road. So this is going to be a that, – that has been a challenge as well. You were able to get a win in, in New York against the Jets last week. 
But, you know, can you go on the road and get another win in a division that is going to be similar to a playoff game, I guess? Like, But, you know, the Panthers look awful against the Saints today. And, and I think that it's, it's – and I hate that we keep saying this because it's, it's I'm getting tired of saying it because it's like, oh, man, they still have a chance. They still have a chance. But they just have never been able to really just grasp it. And that's – what concerns me that concerns me a lot when you're talking about this organization Arthur Smith as a head coach this offense and and I'm not going to even mention the defense because like those guys are in a a separate conversation right now to me because those guys have been pretty consistent like Aaron mentioned earlier throughout this season you know they had some hiccups of course they're going to have hiccups but I think that you know going forward this game this this if whether or not the Falcons get on the playoffs is is all going to boil down to the offense, period. Yeah. Like if they if they want to get into the um get a win in NFC South and get into the playoffs and have a home game at Mercedes Benz Stadium for the first time, um, it's going to be on. We're going to be saying like, oh, Arthur Smith finally figured out, or Arthur Smith finally figured out who they were, and they were and Desmond Ritter was what throwing the ball twenty times, twenty two, twenty three times a game, and they were running that bad boy 35, 40 times a game. And they were getting everybody involved in this offense. That's the only way. That is the only way the, the, um, the Falcons are going to get in. It is not going to be because this defense is being lights out, forcing five and six turnovers, and Jesse Bates scoring three touchdowns a game. You know, that's that's just unrealistic. You can't yeah. depend on this defense like that. Right, because in essence, Jarvis, that's just been keeping you in the game. I mean, that, that's right. the reason exactly, that you've yeah. been blown out uh, to be quite honest with you. And I agree with you as well. Like it's all on the offense to do their job, to know their identity and free just to, you know, I tweeted something earlier today. I was like, and it was a good one, but it kind of had a subtle undertone to it as well. Like great that Desmond Ritter has selective amnesia, meaning, Hey, he forgot about that near pick six, moved on, did what he needed to do, you know, for the rest of the game. But the challenge is you can forget about the pick six, but you can't forget about the damage that's done and keep expecting the defense to then undo the damage. So I agree with Jarvis. I think that the offense has got to get, it it, it has to stay consistent with the identity. I hate to even say get back, to be honest with you, because we did see it somewhat last week in in terms of the run game, maybe not what we wanted or thought we were going to see because of the sloppiness of the game. And maybe there's some, you know, some execution challenges there, but ultimately speaking, here's what you're looking at. And Aaron, I'm going to throw this out only because it's not even about one game at this point. You got the Panthers next week. You come back home, you got the Colts. You go on the road to the Bears, and then you go on the road to the Saints. So that could go all kinds of ways because, yeah, the Panthers, they're they're less than middling, so you probably know what you're going to get with them. But the Colts tend to, to look good more than they look bad. And we know what the Bears did today against Detroit. So it's like they'll show up and be, you know, that team from – time to time as well and if the saints have a snowball's chance in hell to win the division in the final week and you're you got to do it in new orleans that's a tall order so you almost want to look at it aaron as like the final quarter of the season and what do they need to do not just next week but use next week to set the stage for the final quarter of the season yeah i think it's a great way of putting it t um you know they they lost control of their destiny losing this game right because now they got to win you know, yeah. potentially three out of their four 
remaining games are on the road. And we've talked all year long about how this team doesn't particularly look great on the road. And so this was, you had a golden opportunity. You know, if, if you want to think of it as fourth quarter, right? We just ended the third quarter and the Falcons had the ball in the red zone, ready to score. And they, they threw a pick in the end zone. And so they come away with no points. And now they're behind the eight ball, so to speak. They still have a chance to dig themselves out of it. You know, if, if you want to use that football analogy, like the score is still close, right? It's still a tied game going into the fourth quarter. But you had an opportunity to kind of not say put it away, but at least take that lead and put the pressure on the opposing team in this game analogy that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And they threw a red zone interception and that that's kind of what it feels like where it's just like okay like you know hopefully they get it right uh hopefully they come back next week against the panthers and and play better and get that win and you know wa- wash this bitter taste out of their mouth to me I, I think the key for me sitting here right now is you know just get healthy and and i think it will take care of itself with all the injuries that they have uh, on both sides of the ball uh but you know right now it just <laughs> it, it does feel like you just watch desmond ritter throw a pick in the end zone, like he did in that Washington game, and you're like, "What? What are we doing here? Like, what? You know?" And it's just here? like, "All right, I, I guess this is this is how it's going to be going into the fourth quarter." Yeah, no, I I'm going to leave it right there because that analogy, I don't think tell I don't think there's a better way to tell the story than that analogy. Now, don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We definitely appreciate you guys stopping by the Locked on Falcons postcast, but it doesn't stop here because we are going to spend some time breaking down this game even further tonight and giving you guys even more reaction on tomorrow's Falcons Atlanta football party. So we'll talk more Falcons tomorrow. Make sure you stop by.